Just after 9 o'clock, good morning. This is Bernie Radio 103.9 FM. And coming up at 9.30 is the Sunny Melindra Show. But the inspirational hour begins now with God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer. The following is sponsored by GodandOurDogs.com. And this is Bernie Radio. Discover a new perspective. God and Our Dogs. GodandOurDogs.com Welcome to God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer. Join us online at GodandOurDogs.com. Subscribe, share, and stay. Now here's your host, Meg Greer. Welcome to God and Our Dogs. This is Meg Greer, your host. Our vision on God and Our Dogs is discovering a new perspective and rely on God the way our dogs rely on us. How does it happen? The same way our other relationships grow. Spending time together, learning about one another, developing trust, and experiencing transformation. Dog stories shared on the show reveal God in new ways. We look in the mirror of our dogs. In the reflection, we find aha moments, bringing to light a deeper understanding of love, value, purpose, and belonging. Find us at GodInOurDogs.com. Click follow on the God and Our Dogs page on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast site and on YouTube, where you will find special bonus material from our guests. Thanks to the folks at Wheeler's Western Outfitters for a great spot to record our show. Thanks to the God and Our Dogs business partners, including Solid Realty Group, Merle Norman FaceTime Spa, Ratner Consulting, and Ron Zunker with Pax Financial Group. Our guest today is Dave Bavero of Waterstone Labradors. He breeds British and Irish Labrador Retrievers and trains them for hunting all types of birds. Dave generously shared bird dog training tips for the upcoming dev season on our YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Dave Stoggs would introduce him as friend, provider, and hunting buddy. Dave, welcome. We're so glad that you joined us today. Thanks for having me. Well, tell us, how did you discover bird dogs? It goes back uh, after college. Um, I was living in the uh, Minneapolis metro area, and it's a big hunting outdoor community. Uh, They have a lot of outdoor shows, things like that, and we're walking around uh, and saw a booth with uh, some hunting dogs, and it happened to be uh, a Vizsla. And a Vizsla is not a, a super common dog. It's a Hungarian pointer, kind of a reddish. Uh, they're pretty dogs. They're super pretty, um, high energy, um, very clingy, but they, they, they love to hunt upland birds like quail and pheasants. And being up in Minnesota, there were pheasants and grouse and uh, things like that. So got into, uh, decided I wanted to get my first bird dog saw that at the show and you know asked the breeder and the breeder at the time was down in Iowa and I remember we drove down there and picked up a puppy um, uh-huh. you know obviously pre-internet and all that kind of stuff and that was the way you found found dogs and at the time I had no idea about pedigrees or you know anything like that just looked like a nice hunting dog uh-huh. so that uh-huh. was that was my first introduction um, and then I had friends that hunted and uh, we used to hunt without dogs and thought it would be be great to have a dog it, mm-hmm. you know I've seen other people that have and I thought it would be a great thing and a fun thing to get into yeah um, so. yeah so did you train your Vizsla 
Uh, so I started training and, you know, reading books and didn't quite know exactly what to do. So I sent the dog off to a professional trainer. And after a week, I got a phone call and said, uh, come get your dog. You're never going to be a hunting dog. <laughs> oh, no, that must have been a disappointment. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so that was Archer. He was a great dog. The kids would dress him up. The neighborhood kids would parade him around. But he <laughs> didn't like guns very much, and he wasn't really that big a fan of birds. Uh-huh. We tried his first hunting adventure. Uh, we were out in the cornfield and hunting, and... He disappeared, and we looked and looked and looked, and I went back to the truck, and he was sitting in the back of the pickup truck. Oh, so. my goodness. Well, <laughs> he didn't discourage you. Yeah, so that was the you know the, the first attempt, mm-hmm. um, which led to many, many dogs after that. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And I had two other visuals, which were very good, uh-huh. and we did a lot of bird hunting. And then I got invited to go up to North Dakota to do some duck hunting with a friend and he had two labs and I was just amazed how they were retrieving ducks and did hand signals and I thought I need to get a lab. Um, so that's when we started doing some research and that's when I got my first first lab cowboy. Mm-hmm. So let me back up just a little bit because you had a Vizsla that wasn't really a hunting dog and then you had some Vizslas that were. How do you recommend that people discern what would make a good hunting dog? Yes, I mean, in today's world, you can do so much research, Mm -hmm. looking at pedigrees, so much content online. You know, there used to be just some books and videos, and now it's probably overwhelming what you can find, Uh um, different methods. uh, But, you know, really, if if you're looking for a hunting dog, you should really decide, you know, what type of dog you're looking for. I think the mistake people make is they, you know, they look at pedigrees, which is great. Like pedigrees are probably the number one thing people look at. And then you also look at genetics, mm-hmm. uh, making sure there's uh, the proper health clearances for the dogs, you know, that they're clear of dysplasia, mm-hmm. uh, elbows, hips, eyes, and then there's a bunch of different genetic uh, diseases or panels that you can test for. So if you're looking for a breeder, that's kind of the what I would say the standard. If they don't have that, I would be, be wary of, of mm-hmm. that because you have no idea what, what they're breeding. Yeah. So. But, you know, beyond that, you should look at, you know, what type of dog you want and what kind of temperament. Some of the mistakes that people make is they want a really hard drive dog, which is great for a lot of things until it's in the house. Right. You know, so there there has to be kind of a balance. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that attracted me to the British labs is they have a great balance. They have a great off switch and a great on switch. So they know when it's time to, to do their thing, but then they also know when it's time to chill out and hang out on the floor or the couch or, you know, mm-hmm. in the truck or whatever. So, so it's wow, a balance. isn't that interesting? Because when you said an on and off switch, I was thinking about people too, because sometimes <laughs> it's hard to turn it off. Mm-hmm. And there's so much about stress and related to disease. I wonder if the same thing happens with dogs. They ha- may have shorter lives, maybe like people can, if, yeah. they, if they're under stress all the time. Oh, yeah, definitely stress can mm-hmm. contribute to, you know, a dog's performance, um, you know, its behavior anxiety, you know, a lot of those things can come into a play with a dog, so I'm mm-hmm. sure. So tell us a little bit about Cowboy. Yeah, so Cowboy was a first Labrador, and he was a British Labrador. I got him from a, a breeder in Kansas, mm-hmm. um, and he was he was a great dog. I mean, he was just, just a good all-around. Everybody loved. Cowboy had a great temperament. 
And that was my first attempt at training a lab. I decided not to send him to a professional trainer. Um, I started reading books, those of people that are familiar with training birds or uh, dogs for, for bird hunting. There was a book called Water Dog um, by Richard Walters. It was like kind of the Bible at the time for dog training. Right. Um, you know, there's been so much more since, but people years ago, that was like the go-to book. Um, and it's still a good book. I mean, if you want just kind of the basics and stuff like that, it's a great book. So mm-hmm. read that. I think I got some DVDs. I you know, just try to absorb a lot of, of different types of things that you could get to find out how to train a dog at the time. So mm-hmm. I also joined the local retriever club and I met a really good friend, uh, my friend Chad, who were still good buddies to this day. And I actually have one of uh, a dog from uh, Stella, which is out of uh, his mail I see. Uh, as well. And we trained together and learned a lot. And we continued our friendship to this day and we go hunting. And, mm-hmm. and then there were just other people along the way at different retriever clubs. And this, at this time, I was in upstate New York. And like I said, we were, did a lot of training, a lot of hunting. We, I would still go out to North Dakota, to Minnesota. At that time, I was mainly, I was more focused on hunting dogs. And then one of the guys in the club, uh, and then my friend Chad, they were doing these hunt tests. Mm-hmm. And that was my first introduction to the actual uh, hunt test programs and started traveling to different states to experience those. It's basically a retrieving competition um, mm-hmm. against a standard got hooked on that and again met many many people learned a lot of different things and people were you know the nice and they taught you so um, that was kind of the evolution of years and years of that mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. you know even to this day it's the same thing goes on and you know I think every day you're involved you learn more so um, do you have some fun memories of hunting with cowboy yeah so cowboy was just a just a great dog you know he he would retrieve just about anything i think one of the one of the funniest stories i've had with him i was hunting with a friend and it was really windy kind of nasty day and these ducks were coming into a into a pond and there was a like a power line uh, off to one side and i saw a duck hit the power line and then fall down to the ground and cowboy kind of just looks uh, his eyes look at me and i'm like i guess (laughs) (laughs) so he he went out retrieved that bird came back and worked and i said we looked at each other and said well what are the odds of that right that is wild (laughs) five minutes later it happened again (laughs) oh my gosh oh my gosh that is i i'm i'm laughing i feel bad for the ducks yeah so but wow uh, but we made good use of the duck. He, we brought him back, and uh-huh, you know uh-huh. he, he didn't get well, wasted. Yeah, and and cowboy got his reward. He got his reward. I mean, he saw it fall from the sky, and he's like, "Can I go get it?" I'm like, "Sure, you know, yeah, go ahead." Yeah, that's what I'm born to do. <laughs> right? That's not, that's so funny. And I bet you have some other funny stories too. Yeah, I mean, you know, we just we traveled a lot and did a lot of hunting. You know, he made some just fabulous retrieves on birds, long stuff that you kind of that proud dad moment where. Um, in particular, there was one time we were snow goose hunting and shot a snow goose, and it sailed a couple hundred yards and landed out behind uh, uh, like a swamp and in the field. Couldn't even see it anymore, and I sent them and just kind of hoped. And sure enough, I see him chasing that snow goose across the field and grabbing it and came back. And you know, then you look at him and go, okay, all that all that training and everything we did paid off uh-huh. over time. So was and that's it- and that's the you know the beauty of having a bird dog is you, there's no way you would have got that bird. Oh, well, that's true as yep. a person. So how big is a snow goose? 
They're probably, I don't know, five to eight pounds. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I think of a, like a, a Canada goose. Yeah. yeah, Canada goose is going to be quite a bit bigger. Quite a bit bird. bigger. Because yep. I was going to say, wow, that bird sounds like it's as big as, as cowboy. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean they, you know, they're they're some big birds, but they they retrieve them, you know, whether they got to drag them or uh-huh. grab them by the wing or whatever, they get them back. Yeah. Well, isn't that neat? Well, you know, as you're talking about training dogs, not only cowboy but lots of other dogs, and through the years, is it something you recommend for everybody to do to train a dog? They're so genetically wired to do things, mm-hmm. but they still need to have that training and direction, don't they? Correct. Yeah. So there's things that are particularly just using a Labrador. Is a Labrador is retrain is genetically to to get a bird or get a ball or whatever and bring it back, but not necessarily to you. Like mm-hmm. they'll they'll retrieve for themselves. Okay. Um. So they have to learn to bring it back to you. There's things like steadiness, where the dog again. You know, if you throw something or you're hunting and you're shooting that a dog just can't just run out there and grab it, there's safety issues with that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so they have to be trained to sit quiet and, you know, only retrieve when you tell them to go mm-hmm. pick up the bird or, yeah. or if you're just messing around with a tennis ball or, or whatever. So there's a lot of training that goes into that. So genetically, they're they're built to, to retrieve mm-hmm. whatever it is. So. Yeah. Well, Dave, before you tell us more about training and your your dogs and so forth i'd like to tell you and our uh, listeners a little bit today about our sponsors and our website god and our dogs has great sponsors please thank them when you see them branscombe law wheeler's western outfitters kendall county abstract and the rivers team with phyllis browning because of them we have a wonderful website godandourdogs.com with bonus material inspired by show guests on the want a treat page Check out the show website for regular updates, resources, and thoughts to ponder. That's GodInOurDogs.com for lots of treats. Discover a new perspective. God and Our Dogs. This is Art Humphreys, and you're listening to God and Our Dogs with Meg Greer. We are back on God and Our Dogs. This is Meg Greer, your host, and joining us today is Dave Bravero with Waterstone Labradors. Before the break, Dave told us about finding and training dogs suited for bird hunting. He also told us about his first real hunting dog, Yellow Lab Cowboy. So, Dave, some of our listeners may have seen the great videos that you did with us to post on Facebook and Instagram and also on our YouTube page to get people ready for dove season. And um, you talked about uh, your techniques for conditioning steadiness and the retrieve so on conditioning how do you condition a dog for hunting season in my world i never really stop training with a dog we train all year Mm -hmm. um it is more difficult in the summer to train in texas i will go north occasionally just got back from minnesota where obviously it's a lot clearer or i'm sorry a lot cooler and able to you know get more training in so but they're we do a lot of drill work, so retrieving drills, healing drills, steadiness drills, anything, or just, just running and having a good time. You know, mm-hmm. swimming is great in the heat. Um, mm-hmm. It's really about the only thing that you can do for any extended period of time in the heat is swimming. So, you know, it's, it's the same thing as an athlete, right? If you're running a marathon, you can't just show up that day and expect to, to do well, right? right. So, 
you have to, you know, condition and train, and it's an ongoing thing with the dogs. Right. So what would you recommend to people that live in South Texas and they can't get away to a cooler place Mm -hmm. as far as how to condition their dog? Yeah, so you got to get out early, you know, get out when the sun is just coming up and, you know, run the dogs, you know, get them, get them out running, swimming, mm-hmm. walking, you know, doing the drills, retrieving drills. And there's, you know, hundreds of drills that you can do just in your front yard with mm-hmm. a dog just to get them going. Also, you know, your dog's conditioning weight is a big thing, just just like in people, right? If you're right. if you're overweight, it's going to be harder to, to do things. Um, yeah. Same with a dog; they should they should be uh, fed and to a certain degree, but they you know they should have a little little curve to them and build that athletic um, you know appearance that a dog is really what you're looking for for mm-hmm. them being able to you know last the entire hunt, not get hurt. It's just many reasons. Kind of the same, actually. You know, the same as you would for a person training to do you know anything really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it really kind of reminds me of us, too, in our relationship with God uh, from the standpoint of we just you can't really be a good follower of Christ and develop a relationship if you're just sitting around on the couch all the time. You know, you do need to do a little. I guess you could you could read and study on the couch, but you know what I mean? As far as you have to take some initiative and and do some stuff, not just, you know, roll off the couch and, (laughs) and expect to be perfect the first time, you know, your dogs have lots of trials and errors, don't they? Oh, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, when you think you have it perfect, they, uh, they'll surprise you. Uh huh. And so that leads me to the thought about steadiness. You've talked about it a little bit. So why would a dog owner, uh, hunter want to train with for steadiness in their dog if you don't have steadiness you really don't have anything in a dog whether you're competing mm-hmm. in a hunt test a field trial whatever it is or just generally hunting and i'll give you the scenario of sitting in a duck blind nobody wants to hunt with a dog that's knocking over their guns or your coffee cup or can't sit still mm-hmm. um, is vocal scaring away the birds right um, and then you know safety you know if the dog isn't steady and the shooting starts and they run out the dog risks getting you know hurt or killed so right so steadiness is it's not an easy thing to accomplish because the dog really just wants to go so you have to spend a lot of time doing it but uh, to me i think it's probably one of the most important things you can do with a retriever mm-hmm. so i'd like to direct people to go to the youtube channel and check out those videos that's where they are right now because it does take a lot of training they are so naturally inclined to go fetch something and it may not be the right thing or the right time correct yeah yeah so i mean the way it's done is they're denied the retrieve Uh i mean so if you throw 10 tennis balls or 10 bumpers for the dog maybe you let them retrieve one or two and they watch eight of them or have another dog pick up so they have to understand that not everything that falls from the sky is theirs is theirs yeah you know a lot of our guests have talked about boundaries uh with their dogs and it's really you're kind of creating a boundary in a way for them, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. They they have to understand and that those boundaries, whether could be where they can go in the house or you know where they can if they're allowed on the couch or the bed or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. Those are all things you can teach your dog to do or not to do. Yeah, and that's it's a perfect way to think about it from the standpoint of boundaries are important for their safety. You know? Absolutely. So. You know, it's same with us. Well, how about in the retrieve? Tell us a little bit about how you train, because sometimes the dogs see where the bird falls. Sometimes they don't. What do you do? Yeah, so there's what we call a mark. So a mark would be something that the dog sees 
fall. So mm-hmm. that that's easier because they they see it fall and they're directed to go out, retrieve it, and bring it back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's what we call a blind retrieve, which would be something that's out there that you want them to go get. So let's use a hunting scenario is let's say you're duck hunting or dove hunting and three birds come in and two fall to the right and one falls to the left behind you and the dog is focused on the ones to the right but doesn't see the one to the left. Well, you still want that bird to the left. Mm-hmm. So sure. you can train a dog with hand signals to go pick up the bird that he has hasn't seen mm-hmm. um, and that's called a blind retrieve okay so i've i've watched you demonstrate it and it's really fascinating to me you use a whistle and hand signals don't you correct and so what is the when do you use the whistle so the whistle the primary uh, reason you have a, a whistle is to stop the dog interesting yeah so i use one whistle is a stop so if the dogs wherever the dogs out in the field you blow that whistle theoretically the dog should turn around and look at you mm-hmm. and then you can give them a hand signal left right or keep going back or we use a recall whistle would be like a three like tweet 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 and mm-hmm. the 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 dog would come back to you so that was what we mm-hmm. call a recall so a whistle back so that's yeah. really the, the function of a whistle i mean there's I mean, you could train a dog any way you want with you know there's no that's just kind of the common language that people use. Yeah. But I've seen people do odd things and different tones and different things. But, you know, as, yeah. a, as a consistency, that's what most people use. But regardless, you and the dog need to really watch one another and pay attention to the dog needs to pay attention to you. You need to pay attention to what the dog's doing. You really have to be in sync. Yeah, it's it's a it's you know it's a team sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Yeah. So that's really interesting that you say that because our relationship with Christ is a team sport, isn't it? <laughs> I thought about it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you really have to be watching and listening for that that whistle, mm-hmm. and uh, know when to look back and to watch the motion left, right, uh, listen for that three quick tweets to come home that takes a lot I, I wonder who in our life do we have people in our life that act like whistles and signals are there other kinds of things maybe sometimes you just feel off maybe that's a whistle <laughs> to stop it's yep. time to stop and turn around you know right, right. yeah so I, that's a challenge for us all today is to think about okay where are those whistles and those um, signs that we need to be looking for you know <laughs> So overall, it's it's just been a lot of fun. And I, I, I'll say again, please, everybody go to our YouTube channel and check out Dave's training videos. You might come up with some really great ideas, no matter what time of year it is, whether it's deaf season or not. It's a, a year-long training and conditioning, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, we, you know, my dogs, you know, we do several litters of puppies a year. And, mm-hmm. you know, not all the dogs go to hunting. I mean, people yeah. do different things with them. They'll right. get them for shed dogs or d- d- detection work or mm-hmm. therapy dogs or, or just a pet. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, well, but, I'm glad you brought that up because at Waterstone Labs, you, you breed uh, the British and Irish labs. And so how many litters of puppies do you have every year, approximately? We've been doing about four to five 
five litters a year. Mm -hmm. And what I've been doing is I get my females from the UK and Ireland. So we're bringing them in. Question I always get is why bring them in there? Why not just get them here? Um, the reason I do get them there is I believe the, the genetics for what we're looking for are purer there. Mm -hmm. And they're, it's a smaller gene pool and the dogs are bred for a very specific purpose. Um, the dogs I get are running field trials mm -hmm. um, over over there, and they have to be calm, they have to be steady, and they have to be quiet. That's that's mm -hmm. genetically in them, so you uh -huh. can you have to bring some of that out in the training. Yeah. But I believe you're starting with a good foundation. Plus, they have great noses and game finding ability. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I think some of that's been bred out or not bred properly. In the United States? In the United States. Okay. Over there, they're not breeding as much for, you know, commercially. Uh -huh. it's, it's a much smaller, you know, community. Yeah. Will you train dogs for people? I only train dogs that I breed. Okay. So they have to come out of my litters, and then I'm happy to either help you and teach you, or I've had it where people will say, take them for a couple months and work on this or that. Yeah. So I'm happy to do that. But I don't take other people's yeah. dogs. And the reason I don't, one is time, but also... I want to stick to what I'm good at and, right. and understand and know, and I really understand how these dogs work, and we can produce a good product that way. So Dave Bavero with Waterstone Labradors, how do people find you? So I have a website, uh, waterstonelabradors.com. We also have a Facebook page mm -hmm. and an Instagram page, yeah. and I post a lot of content on there of the dogs, the puppies, um, what we have available and the upcoming litters yeah. and just, you know, just fun stuff too, training, you know, out, mm -hmm. out and about doing different things. Yeah. Um, I like to post a lot of different content and, you know, people enjoy it. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us today. It's been a lot of fun to learn about your labs and your experiences hunting and training. Thank you. Great. Well, before we close the show today, I'd like to leave with a thought to ponder. And yes, that's P-A-W-N-D-E-R. We learned today about a blind retrieve finding a bumper or a bird, and that's the dog's cherished reward. The dog trusts its handler to guide it quickly to the reward. I ponder whether I look at God intently enough to know where he's directing me and what whistles and signals he's using to get me towards the goal. And if not, how can I be more effective? Let me know what you think after pondering. Email stories at godandourdogs.com. Thanks to the God and Our Dogs business partners, including Solid Realty Group, Merle Norman FaceTime Spa, Ratner Consulting, and Ron Zunker with Pax Financial Group. This is Meg Greer. You've been listening to God and Our Dogs. I appreciate all of you and thank you for joining us. You can listen to the show again on our website or subscribe on your favorite podcast site. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for show bonuses. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn at God and Our Dogs and click follow. Subscribing and following helps the show spread the word about discovering a new perspective to rely on God the way our dogs rely on us. Discover a new perspective. God and our dogs. God and our dogs.com.